You're listening to audio from Mountain View Church, located in Murphy, North Carolina. If you'd like more information, you can find us at www.mtnvu.org or on Instagram and Facebook at Mountain View Church NC. Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Mountain View. And if this is your very first time with us, a special welcome to you. Thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. I'd like to offer a few thank yous, if I can, before we dig into the word this morning. First of all, thank you to all of the men who came out yesterday to serve all over this campus. Um, Thank you especially to Mike Antipinko, to Abner Contreras, to Joe Doty, and to Earl Diwale, Those men organized the event, cooked the food, and uh, otherwise told all of us where to be uh, while we are here. So thank you to them. Um, Men, we are going to be working at Bobby and Doria Burns' farm this coming Saturday, uh, doing some more work on their barn. So if you'd like to come out to that, uh, please see me or someone else if you don't know the address. We would love to have you join us, and then we're going to do another work day on the Saturday after Vacation Bible School, so Saturday, June 17th, and uh, if you'll put that on your calendars, uh, would love to have even more men come out and participate in fellowship with us that day. Second, thank you uh, to everyone who volunteered um, at the concert, both before, during, and after on Friday night. Uh, We had... Anywhere in the neighborhood of 200 to 250 people in this room, and uh, it was fantastic. So thank you to everybody who helped with that, and uh, I really, really appreciate that. All right, Um, I want to make a little bit of an adjustment also. You heard Angela say that uh, at our spring picnic, we're going to serve hamburgers and hot dogs. Well, that is not the case. Uh, (laughs) We've had a bit of a menu change since the announcements were made. We're going to be serving grilled chicken, and Mike Antipinko is going to cook that up for us. And we're just asking that you all will bring sides and desserts. So everyone with the last name A through M, bring a side. Everyone with the last name uh, N through Z, please bring a dessert. And that's two weeks from today, right after the second service. Now, finally... Um, I want to reiterate something that Angela said. In your bulletin this morning, you're going to find a brochure that'll tell you all about the team of Korean missionaries that will be here with us in less than two weeks. I want to strongly encourage you to begin praying for those folks if you have not already. I want to strongly encourage you also to look over the schedule of events for that week And as you have opportunity, please join in with those folks as they pray with us for revival and spiritual awakening in our community and in our country. Now, we are praying as a church in anticipation of their arrival every Thursday at 7 a.m., noon, and 7 p.m. I would just ask and encourage you to pick one and come and join us. Uh, We've had some wonderful prayer times over the past couple of weeks on Thursdays. And so please come out to one of those. And as you pray in your own time, Tom Carter, our prayer coordinator, has put together a handout 
of prayers for personal revival, you'll find these out uh, at the connection desk, and I encourage you to pick one up and take one before you leave this morning. There are also more of these brochures out there, and if you would be willing to do so, we also have posters uh, promoting the revival of the Korea, the arrival of the Korean team. And I've got several of them up here. If you own a business or you know somewhere where you could stick one of these this week and next, please feel free to take one or more of them, and you can do that after the service this morning. All right. Well, why don't we dive into the book of Ephesians this morning? If you'll open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at one verse this morning. And yes, this is an indication at the pace at which I'm going to go through this book. Just so we're clear. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 3. The Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Father, I pray that you will open up this text of Scripture to us this morning and that you will minister to our hearts. Lord, back behind this one verse of Scripture are infinite riches. And I pray that this morning would be just the beginning of a weeks-long exploration of the incredible blessings that already belong to your people in Christ. These are not blessings that we have earned. These are not blessings that we have to work for. These are not blessings that come to us as a res result of our worth. They are blessings that have come to us through Christ by faith alone. And I pray that your people would learn to live in light of them. In Jesus' name. Amen. So despite the advice of friends who had warned him against it, he traded 216 cattle valued at $50 a head for a dry goods store in a sparsely populated area. He ended up making about $5,000 a month which attracted a man by the name of Thomas Hickox, who was looking to unload his 16,000-acre river ranch. The property was unfenced, <clears throat> and it was plagued by boundary disputes, frequent droughts, and poor well water. In 1915, Hickox proposed a trade. The entire ranch for the store. A friend who had once owned the property tried to convince the store owner that the deal was a bad one. He made the deal anyway. As his granddaughter would later say, 
He didn't know beans about groceries, but he knew a whole lot about ranching. He had once been a cowboy, and he had even owned a ranch before. And he was eager to own such a large piece of land. Well, under the terms of the deal, he was to pay an additional $16,500 over three years to pay off the existing mortgage. He then went on to buy another 3,600-acre strip of land that ran right through the property but had been unaccounted for in previous surveys. Well, by the 1920s, By the 1920s, and wanting to, his friend's warning to steer clear of the deal was becoming something of a prophecy fulfilled. And the man and his family were in danger of losing everything. Day after day, he would watch his sheep graze over the West Texas hills, and he would rack his brain trying to figure out some way to pay all of his bills, some way to turn a profit, some way to feed and clothe his family, some way to save their livelihood. Little did he know. Little do we know. I feel like this could easily be an apt description of our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus. We've got mouths to feed, we've got kids to clothe, we've got mortgages to pay, we've got our own worries and our own doubts and our own fears and questions and regrets, and we're all bombarded with a thousand different things on any given day, things that threaten to crowd out any kind of eternal or heavenly perspective. I wonder how many of us find ourselves racking our brains in search of some, if only, answer. Little do we know. And that's exactly why the Apostle Paul starts where he does in this profound letter, which, as I said last week, is all about identity Formation, all about rediscovering and learning to live in light of who God says we are and everything that God says we have in Christ. According to verse 3 of Ephesians 1, Paul says that we've already been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, verse 3 is something of an introductory statement that really gathers up steam and almost explodes into this cascade of gifts that unfolds over what we would consider a run-on sentence that goes from verse 3 all the way through the end of verse 14. Across 202 words and no punctuation, the Apostle Paul showers us with divine gift after divine gift 
after divine gift. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You've not been left in the dark. The very mystery at the heart of human history has been made known to you. You have an eternal inheritance. You have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You belong to God. Through the Holy Spirit, that inheritance is guaranteed. You are secure. And make no mistake about it, these are bona fide gifts. Gifts that were given to you by the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit if you are a member of God's family through the Son. And they're spiritual blessings, not because they're less real, than material blessings, but because they come to you and me in Christ. And through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, it is in fact the Holy Spirit that takes these gifts and makes them real in our lives. And these spiritual blessings are ours, according to what Paul says here in verse 3, in the heavenly places. Meaning that they belong to a realm that is not passing away like this one. Unlike the material blessings that we enjoy here, these spiritual blessings or these blessings from the Spirit are eternal. They will not rust, they will not rot, they will not grow old, they will not fall apart. And they will never be taken from you or from me. More than this, the Apostle Paul, when he uses that phrase, in the heavenly places, which is a phrase that he uses about five times in the book of Ephesians, he's essentially taking us behind the curtain, so to speak. From the outset, the Apostle Paul is showing us that the everyday circumstances in which you and I live our lives Don't tell the whole story. There is another dimension to reality. A dimension that we cannot see, that we cannot touch, that we cannot taste or feel. And this dimension is just as real, perhaps even more so than the one we presently inhabit. Truth be told, you and I often face our days as if this heavenly dimension does not exist. We often face our days, in other words, as practical atheists. Now we might say with our lips that we believe that there is a God who exists and that there is a king on the throne in the heavenly places, But very often our lives do not showcase the fact that we actually believe that to be true. This means that when things go wrong, we tend to look for hope and for help 
in the things right here and right now that we can taste, touch, hear, smell, see, and feel. But here's the truth of the matter. And this is what the Apostle Paul is going to unfold about these heavenly places in the book of Ephesians. Christ is alive. And he is seated on the throne of the universe in the heavenly places. You and I are made alive with him. And we are presently seated with him in those heavenly places. Somehow, someway, that is our real home. Even though we are currently here and we are to live as citizens of that place, drinking deeply through the Spirit, of the rich blessings that are ours in Christ. Blessings as we will learn as we walk through Ephesians that are intended to shape who we are right here and right now and the lives that God has given us and called us to live in the right here and right now. You know, at times, people have been accused of being so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Based on what the Apostle Paul says here at the beginning of Ephesians, I would say that the exact opposite is actually true. You and I are of no earthly good until our minds and our hearts are so thoroughly saturated with heaven and with the gifts that we've already been given by God in Jesus Christ. All of these spiritual blessings are already yours. And they're already mine. The Christian life doesn't begin with what you and I do. According to the Apostle Paul, the Christian life begins with what God has already done in Christ Jesus. And the gifts that he has already abundantly distributed among his people. All of these gifts, these blessings as... The Apostle Paul writes here in verse 3, have come to us in and through Christ. Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. So it is in our union with, our participation with, and in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by which we enjoy all of these gifts. Now here at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, there are no commands to obey. There are only gifts to be received. And for some of us, that actually proves to be the difficulty. We want something to do. We want to know that we've earned our way. But earning has no place in the kingdom of God. We must learn to be like children and to receive these gifts from the hand of our Father, unearned gift 
after unearned gift by faith. And all of these through Christ Jesus. Now we're only three verses into Ephesians, and the Apostle Paul has already used the phrase, in Christ, again. And as I told you last week, the Apostle Paul is going to use some variation of this phrase 36 times across this letter. And it's essentially a phrase that locates us. Just as you and I reside in Murphy or in Cherokee County or in Clay County, if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately we reside in Christ. He is our true home. If we are in Christ then, as our true home, he is to have primary and preeminent influence in our lives. To say that we are in Christ is a bit like saying that Jesus is Lord of our lives. He's to be the determining factor in everything that we are and everything that we do. Now there's a flip side to this as well. If we aren't in Christ, then we cannot lay claim to any of these spiritual blessings. These blessings only come to those who call Christ home. And we need to understand this. These things don't come in addition to Christ. They don't come to us as prizes for choosing Christ. They are ours because Christ has us and we have him. Fundamentally, Jesus is the gift. He is both the blessing and the blesser. And it's in him that we are chosen, that we are adopted, that we are redeemed, and we are forgiven. Brothers and sisters, we cannot receive understand or learn to live in this vast storehouse of blessings apart from him. Paul's argument in the remainder of this letter is that understanding this will change everything about how you see yourself and about how you are living your life right now. So we have all of these spiritual blessings. They come to us in and through our participation in the person and work of Christ by faith. And they come to us from the generous hand of our Father. Now notice what the verse says again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Have you ever diagrammed sentences before? I have, and I love it. Some of you are probably thinking, yes, yes, you would. 
almost every verb in this 202-word sentence that runs from verse 3 through verse 14 is linked to one subject. Now, it's an incredibly complex sentence, but it all kind of finds its root and foundation here in verse 3. Do you know what the subject, or rather who the subject, of this incredibly long sentence is? It's the Father. It's the Father. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says here in verse 3 that he is the one who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, what does this tell us about our Father? First of all, the gifts come from a giver. The giver. In fact, the gifts reflect the heart of the giver. You and I have infinite riches in Christ. You and I are in possession of every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus because the heart of the Father is overflowing with generosity. We have received every spiritual blessing in Christ from our Father, because our Father wants us to enjoy every single benefit that there is to enjoy in relationship with His Son. Did you know that the Father, your Father and mine, He loves His Son more than He loves anyone or anything. And he wants to both share his delight in his son with us and have us share in that delight as we experience the infinite array of gifts that now belongs to us in Christ. You and I have been given Christ as our home. And we've been showered with gifts through the Son that we might come to find that the Lord Jesus Christ is our greatest, our deepest, and our truest joy. And there is nothing else that would delight the heart of the Father than for you and I to genuinely say and genuinely live like following Jesus is the greatest joy on this planet. I can tell you confidently that nothing would please the heart of our Father more. Here's the deal, though. Many of us live as if we have not received these spiritual blessings from our Father, as if our Father isn't really that generous, as if our Father could not possibly be as good as the Apostle Paul makes him out to be. Here at the beginning of Ephesians, 
In fact, you and I often live like we have not been chosen, like we have not been adopted. We often live as if we're still orphans. In other words, we live out of a scarcity mentality rather than an abundance mentality. When we do this, we begin thinking. Okay, let me stop right here for just a second because I want to kind of put you in the mindset. Think about what it's like to live as an orphan. Put yourself in the shoes of someone who has no family, no one to care for them, no one to provide for them, no one who loves them, no one who's going to make sure there's food on the table or a place to sleep or clothes to wear. When you and I begin to live like this, in relation with our Father, we begin thinking we have to fend for ourselves. We begin thinking we have to look out for ourselves. We begin thinking we have to provide for ourselves. We begin thinking we have to prove ourselves to compete with other people for recognition and for limited resources. Meanwhile, the Apostle Paul says, we have a Father who has already blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By the way, this whole scarcity mentality it can take hold of our minds real quick when present problems become priority number one. When we lose sight of the fact that our Father and all of the blessings He gives in Christ are prior to our problems, we lose sight of what is most true about us. Ultimately, if you and I are in Christ, we are not our problems. We are not our struggles. We are not our doubts. We are not our fears. We are not our questions. We are children of the living God who have been bound to Christ through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and we are in possession of infinite wealth in Christ Jesus. And my friend, it's yours. It's mine. It's ours. As subjects of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I live and walk and breathe and eat and sleep as citizens of the wealthiest kingdom 
that has ever existed or ever will exist. Now, all of this, the fact that we've been given every spiritual blessing, the fact that all of those blessings come to us as a result of our participation in Christ and the fact that all of those spiritual blessings come from the generous hand of our Heavenly Father, all of this should lead us to one place. Praise. Go back to verse 3 one more time. The Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, I don't know if you noticed or not. Perhaps it's just me because I love diagramming sentences. But Paul uses some form of the word bless three times in this verse. The first use is an adjective, the second a verb, and the third a noun. So you could easily render, you could easily render the verse this way. The blessed God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. The blessed God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, we've talked about the verb and the noun. What does it mean then to say that God is blessed? Well, I don't do this kind of thing often, but I think it's helpful here. That word is the word from which we get our word eulogy, which simply means a good word. So, to bless God... Or the fact that God is blessed simply indicates that God is worthy of praise. God is worthy of our speaking good words about him. Why? Because he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But here's the thing. As is often the case in so much of the Bible, there is more to it than that. Now, every word in the worship word bank of the Bible contains within it some nuance regarding the human body. In other words, worship is essentially an action, something that you and I do with our minds, with our hands, with our feet, with our ears. This is why Jesus says that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with what? All of yourself. Everything you've got. So every worship-related word in the word bank of the Bible contains within it some kind of nuance related to a part of the body being given over to God. This word bless involves the hands and the knees. To bless means to go down on one's knees, extend one's hands, and offer a gift. 
So we bless the God who has blessed us. The Father who stooped lower than low in the Son, who opened his heart and opened his hands, and who has ultimately given us himself that you and I might become all that God made us to be. Now just how? Just how do we praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has given us so much in Christ by offering to him the only thing that you and I have to give? Ourselves. Now this does begin with our words as David instructs his own soul in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, which Justin read earlier. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If I didn't know better, I would say that the Apostle Paul had these verses in the back of his mind as he was writing out Ephesians chapter 1. Because essentially Ephesians chapter 1 is a rehearsal of all of the benefits that you and I have as a result of being in union with Christ. And what does that lead Paul to do? Bless God. It leads Paul to bless God the Father for giving us these things in the Son and through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. But it only begins with words. Worship has to translate into a way of life. It has to translate into a way of life that reflects a heart of gratitude for all the spiritual blessings that you and I have been given in Christ. that worship way of life becomes ultimately a life of blessing where you and I, having received gift upon gift upon gift upon gift in Jesus Christ, we become a people who open our hearts and open our hands to others who stoop low and who lift others up, who stoop low and who build others up, who become just like our Father in Jesus Christ, a people who have been blessed in order that we might be a blessing. Little did Ira Gates know that the answer to his financial woes was underneath his feet the entire time. 
One day, a crew of men from an oil company convinced him that there might be oil on his land. They asked permission to drill a test well. They drilled four of them before they struck oil on his property on October 18, 1926. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. And Yates became an instant millionaire. Now that first well, it produced 80,000 barrels a day. But that was only the beginning. More wells were drilled, some twice as productive as the first. In the 1960s, after it had been pumped for 30 years, a test showed that one of the wells still had the potential to flow 125,000 barrels a day. By the year 2000, Yates Field was still one of the top 10 producers of oil in the United States. And it had been there the whole time. Even as Ira Yates surveyed his cash-strapped ranching operation and worried what was to become of his family. His problem, he simply didn't know the oil was there. You and I are sitting on a gold mine. And for the vast majority of us, I would wager that it makes little to no difference in our everyday lives. Why? We forget. We lose perspective. We get overwhelmed. The financial stresses and strains take their toll. We care for small children and we care for aging parents. We've got to figure out what to cook for dinner tonight. <laughs> We've got to make sure homework gets done and kids make it to baseball practice. We got to pay the bills and navigate disagreements over little and big things in our marriages. Our lives are very much filled with the things right in front of us. Things that we can taste and touch and feel, which means that the gold mine we're sitting on is rarely at the forefront of our mind even though our minds are always in search of that if-only answer to our fears, our doubts, our questions, our regrets, and our worries. Out of sight, out of mind, as they say. But that does not change the fact that every spiritual blessing belongs to you and 
to me. If you and I are in Christ, every one of the spiritual blessings that has come to us from our generous Father through the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit is at your disposal and mine right now, right where we are. In fact, understanding how truly wealthy we are is the key to being who God says we are. In the midst of our everyday lives as husbands and wives and dads and moms and brothers and sisters and otherwise, it is the key to becoming more like Christ. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to travel through this seemingly endless sentence. And you and I are going to hear as God reiterates to us what it really means to be in Christ. You and I are going to hear more about some of these specific spiritual blessings we've been given. Friends, if you're in Christ, you're chosen. If you're in Christ, You've been adopted. If you're in Christ, you've been redeemed. If you're in Christ, you've been forgiven. If you're in Christ, you have been let in on the mystery of human history. You are not in the dark. You are not clueless. You know what's going on. If you are in Christ, you have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You belong to God. If you are in Christ, that same Holy Spirit is but a down payment on the inheritance that awaits you. An inheritance that you and I will fully, completely, and finally experience when we are in the presence of God forever but you have the guarantee right now that you will ultimately inherit it. The point being, live like it. That's exactly where Paul's going. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to open up your word this morning. I pray for your dear people that as we explore the infinite riches that already belong to every one of us who are in Christ over these next several weeks, that today would be the beginning of spiritual renewal in our lives and in our church. Lord, it's only in going back to the beginning. It's only in going back to what you've done for us. It's only in remembering and celebrating all of these rich spiritual blessings that we have in Christ that we can then see more clearly to live out all of the commands that will follow in Ephesians. So Lord, as we unpack these spiritual blessings, as we open these gifts and we marvel at what you've done for us in Christ, 
or may our hearts be lifted up in praise and may we recognize truly that the only ultimate right response to these gifts is to give ourselves fully and completely to you. So no matter where we are spiritually this morning, that is ultimately the invitation. Giving ourselves to you. Lock, stock, and barrel is the only right and proper response to what you've done for us in Christ. So I pray that you will lead us all to the foot of the cross this morning and that we would bow in humble adoration and that we would say, God, I cannot believe how wealthy I am. I really can't believe it. Help me. Help me to just catch a glimpse of everything that belongs to me in Christ. Move my heart to worship and move me to live as a grateful child and citizen of your kingdom. Lord, thank you for loving us. May we, may we strive to love you faithfully in return. In Jesus' name we pray.